0: Are you on-grid or off-grid? I'm talking about news now. Are you on-grid or off-grid? Do you follow the news? And if you do, what is your source of news? I mean, there is such a wide variety. Cable channels, 24-7, newspapers, eh, they're beginning to wane. But on the other side, in replacing it, is news on the Internet from a wide variety of outlets from a wide variety of perspectives. Or you're like me, who I choose to get my news through podcasts. Podcasts are, allow me to, to look at a wide variety of things and do a, and at the same time do something else. But when Frederick Beekner wrote the sermon that we're gonna be talking about today, there were only a limited amount of sources for news the very beginning of the sermon, he talks about ABC, NBC, CBS, and PBS. That's it. Those were the days, huh? No, I don't know. But they w- seemed to be quite simpler. That We had news for a half hour, maybe an hour, and then it was done. So that's the subject we are going to be looking at, Frederick Beekner's sermon on the news. And the reason why we've chosen to look at him in particular today is this week, he died at the age of 96 and to help me discuss this sermon as well as enlighten us regarding beekner's life is janelle <laughs> taphorn hi good morning to you
1: good morning how are you i'm fine can we say good morning cuz you know what if somebody's watching this at a time other than oh, morning
0: oh yeah that's true okay good day good day good day hey eh? yeah hey eh? <laughs> 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 how are you? Um Okay, this has been a, a an entertaining week, I would say.
1: Entertaining how? Yes.
0: I've just learned so much. Have you? Oh, it's it's amazing to me. You know, I I thought the older I got, I would be able to say that I was full of no, lo, knowledge and wisdom. Uh-huh. Not true. No? Yeah, the older I get, the more I realize how how much you don't their, know. Yeah, and how much there's still out there to know.
1: Yeah, it's great.
0: It is. It's
1: fathomless. Don't you love that word? That's a
0: beautiful word. I love that word. But, I mean, that's the beauty of, I think, we're, the world we live in. We're all There's so many different fields that we can explore. And I think Beekner is one of those. Uh-huh. Because Beekner, to me, he was one of, I, I always considered one of the great preachers, even though yeah. my understanding is... He was ordained minister in the Presbyterian church, but never pastored a local church. Oh. Instead, he was a novelist and a spiritual writer. Wow.
1: But he's ordained.
0: Ordained minister. But he wrote a book, and the first book he put out was so well received. Yeah. I think he saw the writing on the wall that his gift (laughs) was... (laughs) Was writing. Was writing. Uh
1: Uh-huh. Well, great. Well, for sure. I haven't read any of his novels. Have you?
0: No, I have one. Yeah. Um, Godric. Okay. Uh, but I've not yet read it.
1: No, I've been intrigued after reading this article this week. Yeah, he's or quite... Or Sermon, sorry. Yeah, sermon.
0: Yeah, he's quite quite well uh, read, uh-huh. uh, and that comes across in his writing.
1: He has been compared with C.S. Lewis. Ah. So, yeah, I would agree. Yeah. So, I'm connected pretty well with the news because I have an app on my phone that notifies me whenever some late-breaking news
0: so you flash can, comes in. So, you can't get away from it.
1: I can't. And, in fact, it's so um, insidious <laughs> that you can tailor the kind of news now that comes to you because there's so much of it.
0: Isn't that amazing? But, and in some ways, when we apply those filters, though, mm-hmm. it limits... Yeah, our exposure to it does. yeah.
1: There's just not enough time to take it all in. Every oh, day, I don't every yeah, day.
0: Yeah, those are good, good points. I, I don't know how to and but maybe in looking at beekner's sermon, uh-huh. we can see the correlation between what appears in the headlines and what appears in our day to day lives. Yeah, I think those are. That's a great connection he makes in this sermon.
1: And if people want to chime in, I want to mention that they can go, uh, they can text us. That's the easiest way. Uh, you can text four eight zero three eight nine four nine seven four, And we will, uh, I'm monitoring texts. So if you want to chime in with uh, comments and questions, we're here.
0: What if they're not watching this, as you mentioned earlier, live? How do they get in touch with us?
1: Well, they can also send us an email for later. We do check our email here, and you can send it to media at BeatitudesChurch.org.
0: And we really do appreciate the, the emails that we receive. We read each and every one of them. Yes, we do. So again, thank you for taking the time to respond, giving us your thoughts and your insights. Also, if there is a subject... or an individual that you would like us to cover, please feel free to share that with us. For sure. So, all right, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back with our monologue. news has the ability to make our small world very large because as we expose ourselves to the news we are exposing ourselves to a much wider world and especially with the plethora of resources and outlet news outlets out there it becomes quite easy as janelle mentioned to not only stay informed but sometimes to become overwhelmed when it comes to keeping up with the news. Every night, when you do either watch the news on TV, read the news on the internet, you're going to to be exposed to something different, something that happened uniquely to that day. Yet at the same time, when Beekner wrote this sermon, he believed that there were certain major themes that kept reoccurring. And those that he talks about are fighting, the search for peace, hunger, and homelessness. Now, each one of these that he looked at has a unique perspective. But the question that Beekner asked is once you look at these four different areas and we hear about the fighting that's continually taking place, the, the desire for peace and how it's on again, off again, and hunger, I mean, real hunger, continues to be an issue throughout our world, and then an issue that especially hitting more and more of us in the United States is homelessness. Well, Beekner asked the questions, is once you look at these major themes, as well as the little events that continue to happen on a day-to-day basis, he asked us a question, what are we going to do about it? Are we going to ignore it, or will it become the motivation that will inspire us to try to make a difference. That's the value of awareness because out of awareness can come that motivation. Now, beyond the world at large, there are, or there is, a small private world. And that's the one that you and I move around. And yes, every day there are news stories that come about from our individual lives. These stories make up the day-to-day news that we receive as we become the actors in the news story. They, for example, cover issues such as who we are, what we're doing with our lives, what our lives are doing to us. Our lives provide the news of what we are becoming or failing to become. One of the things that Beekner encourages us at the is at the end of a day that you would pause. In fact, Beegner actually encourages you to do this as you're laying in bed late at night. And he said, this is the time for introspection, a time of self-awareness, of reflecting. And he said that those four major themes that we see in the world, fighting, search for peace, hunger, and homelessness those same themes can be found in our day-to-day lives. For example, fighting. On an individual level, probably within the 24-hour news cycle of our lives, we are more than likely in some kind of fight or to maybe a spat with those that we love and care for, and they can be anything from a quick uh, blow-up or it can be an extenuating and a long-term fight that begins to erupt and continues into the future. But Beekner points out that perhaps the greatest fight that occurs is the war that is waging within each and every one of us. And because of that war, each of us are searching for a sense of peace. We are looking for a sense of wholeness within ourselves. You see, the war that we wage within ourselves is, it's a battle against loneliness, boredom, despair, doubt. These are real issues. We today call them mental health issues, but they are issues that continue to wage war within us. Beekner then points out that Romans chapter 7, the writer of this letter actually captures this idea in the modern translation the message it says in Romans chapter 7 I obviously need help I realize that I don't have what it takes I can will it but I can't do it I decide to do good but I don't really do it I decide not to do bad but then I do it anyway my decisions such as they are don't result in actions the writer concludes something has gone wrong deep within me and gets the better of me every time. Beekner, as well as the writer of this epistle in the entitled Romans, they both capture this battle that is within us. And yet at the same time, the desire for a sense of inner peace when it comes to hunger Beekner at the time he wrote this sermon and still probably prevalent today that in the literal sense hunger is unknown to probably you and me in a world where thousands are starving to day, death every day we here in America are surrounded by plenty but what we do hunger for is to be known and to understood we hunger to be loved We hunger to be at peace inside our own skins. And then finally, Beekner reflects back upon the theme of homelessness. To be homeless, he says, is the way people like you and me are apt to be homeless is to have homes all over the place, but not to be really at home in any of them. So you can have an abode, You're going to have a house, an apartment, but yet, and you can call it your home, but the challenge is, is do we really feel at home within it? And even more, the house or the dwelling that you carry around with you every single day, your body, are you at home in it? You see, to be really at home is to really be at peace, and our lives are so intricately interwoven that there can be no real peace for any of us until there is real peace for all of us. We'll be right back.
1: Welcome back.
0: Thank so, you. Thank you. But I've I've been here the whole time.
1: <laughs> I wasn't talking to you, oh, Tony. Bummer. <laughs> no, we're very glad that you could be with us. And we're going to continue the conversation about Frederick Biekner. Yeah. I didn't realize that's how we say his name. I kept going Buchner.
0: Yeah. The way it's spelled. It, yeah.
1: So if I fall into that, you know I Yeah.
0: It is and, and so do I normally refer to him as Buchner, but the proper pronunciation, in my understanding, is "becoming." Yeah.
1: So, why do you suppose we have to be introspective at all?
0: Hmm. Good question. Someone told me one time that how we see ourselves mm-hmm. frequently differs
1: mm-hmm.
0: from how other people see us.
1: Yeah. Okay.
0: Well, if we never really know ourselves, mm-hmm. then it's, it would seem that we are continually dependent upon others for our sense of self. Sure. So, And that changes all the time. Yes, of course. So I think maybe that could be one reason why we do need to have the introspection is mm-hmm. so that we can, by becoming self-aware, we actually get to know who we are.
1: And this battle of the mind is what intrigued me. Isn't this kind of a first world problem?
0: Mm, Tell me more.
1: Well, being at peace, I suppose, you know, I thank God have never been in a third world country to know what it feels like to be hungry and in want. But I kind of have to wonder if <laughs> introspective introspection is something that you engage in much when you're fighting for hunger. Well
0: I, I don't know the answer to that. I, I really don't. Because in some ways you would think that maybe an individual when they have free time.
1: Yeah. But what about the pain what about sitting in the pain yeah instead of looking for the peace we've talked about this before there is something to be said about sitting there in the the battle the trenches the whatever angst yeah if all of us had peace like you referred to at the end of the sermon Would that be utopia? And do we want That's
0: that? A, you are. Where do you come up with these questions? <laughs> these are really good. I, I, in some ways, I wonder if before we can have utopia in a world, yeah, we have to find utopia within ourselves.
1: Mm. That's and once interesting. We,
0: once we find a sense of peace within ourselves, yeah, and I think that, in some ways, the circumstances don't matter. Because the that which is creating the angst within those individuals in a third world country is different than a first world country. Yeah, but the the feeling is still real. True, the emotion is still.
1: So the hunger still unites us.
0: Yeah, the the hunger for a sense of peace, a sense of of wholeness, a sense of being okay with with oneself uh-huh. and with one's community, either small or large.
1: Beekner said to listen to your life, um, see it for the fathomless mystery that it is. Your own life, your experiences, is your source source of truth.
0: Hmm. So
1: where's God in that?
0: All right, Janelle is. <laughs> <'cause>,
1: <laughs> no, I really.
0: I, no, I mean you're, I. Dived you're asking, into
1: him yeah. this week so much, and yeah, I was.
0: I mean, the questions you're asking are are fabulous. I
1: sort of like, I mean, he sounds, you said he was ordained. Mm -hmm. So he seems to be a theist. I don't
0: know. Uh, Right. And as you, one of the cool things about the book that, uh, where you can find these sermons, the title of the book is Secrets in the Dark, A Life in Sermons. And what it does is it's a collection of his sermons throughout the years, and so, if you start at the oh. very beginning, okay, you're going to find a a young Beekner, yeah. And by the time you get to the last sermon, you're going to find a Beekner that has experienced listened a to lot. His life. Of, yeah, yes, experienced uh-huh. and listened to his life. Yes. So, I think that in that way, um, to say that he is theistic, I I don't honestly know, but I do wonder if you were to read these sermons, if you would get. An understanding over time, and see if that shifted.
1: Probably, yeah. And I haven't had that uh, privilege to do.
0: Because in this sermon that we looked at t- today, yeah, I-, I don't get that idea that it's a theistic God. I, right,
1: I, and I actually, in fact, God is God
0: is barely is barely mentioned in the sermon.
1: Yeah, I read actually that he had described God as a power from beyond time,
0: which power. is power. Th- which is definitely not a theistic idea, yeah, yeah, it's something that is inanimate,
1: more spiritual,
0: yeah, well yeah, and it's impacting but yet still impacting our lives, mm-hmm, it's just a just like gravity impacts our lives, maybe this power is impacting our lives, and Beekner is choosing to label that as God,
1: perhaps why not just <sighs> So then we need to be uh, introspective about God.
0: I I don't know if we can be. I mean, when we think about God, Mm -hmm. are we thinking about ourselves?
1: Not necessarily.
0: But those thoughts are originating within ourselves.
1: Yeah. So is that God?
0: Or is it us contemplating that? I, I don't. I I don't know. This sounds so philosophical. It does, and I think that's what that's what I think Beekner avoids in this sermon. Uh-huh. Uh huh. In this sermon, he really gets to the crux of issues that are facing us today, and by him choosing uh, fighting, peace, hunger, and homelessness. By choosing to focus in on those, yeah, he was focusing on for at the time he wrote this sermon, and I don't—the book doesn't give us the date of the sermon, so that's why I cannot share that with oh, you. Oh,
1: okay, right.
0: But it does make me wonder: is would we, re- in your opinion, Janelle? Yeah. Would we remove some of those themes, or would we add to them? Or replace them with something today?
1: If the goal is to have peace of mind?
0: No. If the goal no. is to be aware of the of the news cycle that continually has certain themes in it. Mm-hmm. And for Beekner those four were fighting, sense of peace, hunger, and homelessness. Yeah. Do you see those four as still prevalent in our news cycles today? Or... Do you see Mm -hmm. other themes that are replacing them?
1: I feel like politics overrides all of this. Tell me more. (laughs) Like, well, that's at the core of all these issues right now in our news cycle, isn't it?
0: Yeah. Well, politics, does politics impact how we see the theme and how we view it? Yeah.
1: Of course. I don't know, I just feel like that's what the driven, media driven is just the politics of it all.
0: Yeah, I think with the with the 24-hour news cycle that Beekner when he wrote this sermon apparently was not being exposed to it would appear that as we continually get this exposure It's almost like it's an overkill Mm -hmm. on the different themes or the issues that are taking place. How many times or how many hours can be spent on a event Mm -hmm. and still have real meaning in what you're talking about?
1: Well, they drag it out pretty good,
0: (laughs) right? And I think that's and I wonder though if by doing that, it is numbing us. Oh, because that's interesting. One of the things that Bechner again talks about mm-hmm. is that exposing yourself to the wider world. Yeah, COVID, which to me was a perfect example of an event that, in fact, I mean, impacted our entire planet.
1: Yeah, right.
0: That that is a news story that was truly the wider world. Mm-hmm. But then you come closer. And the, one of the news stories that I've seen recently,
2: mm-hmm. and we
0: don't know how much longer it's going to last, is the story about the search of Trump's home in Mar-a-Lago. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's... But again... it's it, dominating it, it, the news now, yeah. But it <laughs> appears that you have these events that take place and they get a lot of intention very quickly mm-hmm. but just as quick it appears that the attention goes away and i think what Beekner is trying to talk about in this sermon is mm-hmm. that there are themes that are going to be consistent they're going to appear okay. again and again and again sure and so, my question for you—what
1: do we do with that?
0: No, my question for you before we uh, that one is: Would you add to that today? Do you see any overarching news theme that continually is in our face? Hmm. For example, um, I'll give you one, and then I'll ask you for yours. Mine would be climate—the ch- uh, changing yeah, climate. Yeah, that's true. That seems to be, it's not going away. Sometimes it's more prevalent than others, but it seems to be there again and again. Mm -hmm. What about you?
1: I don't have anything else to add. I mean, I'm thinking about the Ukraine war. But that's, what was, is that one of the themes? What are the four themes? That's fighting. Fighting. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know.
0: Do you would you remove any of these? For example, homelessness. No. Why not?
1: It seems to be getting worse.
0: Yeah, but we keep talking about it. But if it continues to get worse, how does talking about it make a difference? I mean, that's one of the things that I liked about what Beekner said: is after watching the news, what do we choose to do about it? Yeah. So if we're not going to do anything about it, should it be a theme?
2: <laughs> yes, <laughs>
1: bringing awareness is is doing something about it, yeah. isn't it?
0: Yeah, but for the people that are homeless, the reality that people are aware that they're homeless—I wonder if that makes but a that difference moves to them. people to action. You hope. Well, and again, but even those actions—for example, with the hunger and homelessness—it, uh-huh. it, this is, and maybe this is too critical, but to me, it almost appears like they're band-aids. Mm. How? People that are hungry, we give them food. Yeah. But have we alleviated the issues that cause the hunger? People that are homeless. Uh, we provide shelters, we provide um, hmm. we provide them um, uh, meals, yes, clothing. I remember reading a story about a guy that goes around offering free haircuts to the homeless. Those are all really positive things that we are doing.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But yet are we looking at the underlying issues that cause homelessness, such as mental illnesses? Addictions, agreed. Those those are two huge causes Mm -hmm. for homelessness. Mm -hmm. But are we addressing those issues? So that's why I think some ways there's almost this numbing effect. For the way I see it, is that if these themes appear again and again and again, it's almost this numbing effect. And occasionally, we do things that make us feel good about ourselves because we're doing something about it. Yeah but I don't know how much of that is really tacking the core issues.
1: So then we just have to take more moments to be introspective.
0: Well, one of the things that he, Frederick Beekner does in this sermon that I really liked is how he took these four themes yeah. and he, he interwove them into our own lives. Mm-hmm. And I think by doing that, he, for me seem to make those issues more real so that while I may not be literally hunger yeah I mean hungry right I may experience hunger in my life while I may Uh not be homeless Mm -hmm. I may feel that I don't have a place where I feel comfortable safe safe and especially even within my own body okay I like what he did with that. He took these themes uh-huh. and he brought them in and made them real for us individuals.
1: And some people would say that that's missing God, the God element, the divine intervention. The
0: Well, I think one of the things that I've contemplated more and more mm. Is we have a tendency, I, I should say, I had a tendency to separate the secular yeah. from the sacred. Okay. And I really had this growing up when it came to church. We had church clothes. We yeah. had we had a certain breakfast we had before we went to church. Yeah. We had routine. Mine was waffles. Yours was waffles. Mine, mine would. We had waffles the night before. <laughs> so, oh,
1: yeah. at night? Yeah. That's so weird.
0: Every okay, evening no, before sorry. church. No, it it was just our tradition, but I think it was it that created for me a disconnect. Oh. Between the sacred and the secular. Yeah. And so this idea that if we don't talk about God, does that mean we're not talking about God? If, you know what I mean? If we don't mention the name God, does that mean we're not talking about God? So when we talk yeah. about these themes that continue to appear in the news cycles, yeah. and if we don't mention the name God, does that mean we're talking purely in secular realms? Or does <laughs> no. it have the spiritual element part of it?
1: Well, here's what's interesting about Beekner. He, um, as a young man, was um, had a, the, a conversion to Christ. So this was after his father committed suicide when he was 10. Okay. And so he was saying, what I read is that upon the conversion, he said that there are no other words for describing what happened to me, but in honesty and in faith, I am reduced to the word that is his name because no other seems to account for the experience so fully. So, He's using the word God because there's just no other way, no other word to describe that experience.
0: Mm -hmm. Something beyond himself.
1: Yes, exactly. So I don't know where I'm going with this. (laughs) I feel like those four themes, I have to bring divine intervention into it
0: tell me more about that. <laughs> why do you why do you feel the need to bring the divine into that?
1: Well, he's saying to listen to your life. That's true, but I think it has to be both. Go on. Um God things and he he actually said God is trying is calling us to be ourselves. The question is not whether the things that happen to you are chance things or God things because of course they are both at once. God is present long before we recognize Him.
0: Let me ask you this. When you, when you consider your parents, uh-huh. can you separate the influence or the parts of you mm-hmm. that you received from your parents? Can you re- Can you remove those from yourself?
1: Um, as opposed to intuition?
0: Mm-mm. What the I inf-
1: instinctually know to be true?
0: No, the influence that your parents had upon your life,
1: mm-hmm.
0: how they shaped your values, how they shaped your principles that you live your life on. Yes. Can you remove those from yourself mm-hmm. now? or are they so a part of you that you can't remove one okay janelle in her in- entirety yeah. is all of that from your parents hmm and if that's true then what about god <laughs> when it comes to com- comes to the idea of god is god so m- much, if we go with Beekner's idea of this uh-huh. power, yeah, other people, it's spirit; other people, it's it's energy. Yeah, um, for uh, Paul Tillich, it was the ground of all being. So whatever you mm. want to call it, nice, right? Whatever you want to call it, isn't there a sense that whatever that is is so much a part of all of life, mm-hmm. including ourselves? Mm-hmm. that to try to separate it is impossible. Just like in, in separating your parents' influence from you yeah, is impossible. Yeah, it's pretty
1: impossible. Right. I don't
0: know. But then then when we do the introspection,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and and I think, again, that's what Beekner says is that Not only should we be contemplating the themes that occur within the news cycle and also the events that we're reading or hearing about, Mm -hmm. but that same introspection needs to be coming within oneself. When we do that, Mm -hmm. is that a spiritual event? Yes. (laughs) But I never talked about God. I never thought about God. (laughs) And that's I think that's one of the things about about Beekner in this sermon It doesn't come across as this separate God thing. okay. at least that's my perception.
1: I don't know because again, he said he called God power from beyond time,
0: right. but right now we're using electricity for this podcast. it's it's powering our mics it's powering Mm -hmm. the lighting Mm -hmm. it's powering the our computer in order to get the uh to be able to broadcast it so that's power but i don't think about it but i am completely dependent upon it and Mm -hmm. when it's gone i'm aware of it and i wonder if the same thing happens with god with god
1: i don't know what maybe Gosh, that's such a loaded word, though.
0: Yeah, agreed. But that's, I think, the challenge is, is, that if we separate the secular from the sacred, then God is something that comes in and out rather than yeah. a part of. Hmm. And that's where I think people challenged with this idea of a transcendent God yeah. that is beyond humanity, beyond the world, mm-hmm. but God is also imminent.
1: Yeah. At, <laughs> Both at once.
0: At once, but it, it, maybe that ha- isn't the issue. Is in if that is true or not? Maybe the issue is our our a desire as human bring, beings is to bring those. We are aware of the tension. Yeah. But yet we were trying to find a sense of bringing them together.
1: Imbalance. <laughs> we're such binary thinkers.
0: Yeah. But again, maybe we're trying to somehow say something that really maybe doesn't make I mean, for example, another <laughs> one is I, I have always struggled to rationally make sense of the Trinity. Oh. It, it's just it doesn't <laughs> So this idea of God's involvement in our yes. world, yes. even as power or energy versus a God as uh-huh. a being who is more theistic and involved and engaged with us. Yes. Does it, it's just an effort to try to make sense of what's out there. Uh-huh. What I like about what Beekner's is doing mm. is he's saying that we can see What's happening around us in the wider world, that macro level? Yeah. At the same time, it really is a micro. Mm. Because I can see that in my own personal life.
1: Yeah. Okay. Wow.
0: I don't know. What are your thoughts? I
1: I think I I like that interpretation.
0: Why? Why do you like it? What about it do you like?
1: somehow it doesn't feel quite so isolating or individualistic.
0: Isolated from each other or isolated from whatever it is we call God?
1: Um, no, I'm thinking more in terms of... If what I'm feeling in here is is what's going on out there, same as same, same, same,
0: mm-hmm.
1: then that's solidarity with humanity that I don't I get some sort of comfort from
0: mm, that. I see what you're saying.
2: Hmm.
1: Wow. This is hurting my brain.
0: <laughs> 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 well, in order to alleviate the angst that is within Chanel's <laughs> brain.
1: <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs>
0: Um, I think, again, I, I really value what Beekner is trying to do. Not only in this sermon, but mm-hmm. I, I read a few of his other sermons from that book. He really seems to to know himself and know the surrounding world, and he sees the place mm-hmm. of, of himself in that larger world. And he understands how that larger world is impacting his life.
1: Yeah. So he said, at its heart, most theology, like most fiction, is essentially autobiography. Say that again. At its heart, most theology is like most fiction; it's essentially autobiography, self.
0: Wow. Wow. So, what we—how far would you take that? What we are saying about God is really insight into ourselves? Yeah. I think... That is a perfect place and a perfect idea to end with. Hmm. That, I mean, seriously, that, read it one more time.
1: At its heart, most theology, like most fiction, is essentially autobiography.
0: So tell me, what about this? Mm. If you tell me about your God,
2: mm-hmm.
0: I'll learn something about you. Isn't oh. that kind of what he's saying? <laughs> That's
1: the same thing, yeah.
0: Yeah, well, I think so. If you listen to someone mm-hmm. and what they tell you and ask them what it, to tell you about God. Their God. Their God, their idea of God. Uh-huh. You will learn something yeah. about yourself.
1: Because there are 7.7 7 billion person. different ideas about God.
0: And that's why I think I tend to land right now, this time in my life, Mm. um, where I try to say as little as possible about God. Why? Probably for this reason. Because in many ways, I I agree with Beekner. In Mm -hmm. many ways, whatever I say about God is either the ideas from another person that I've inherited adopted yeah and adopted or their ideas that i create their ideas that i have about myself Mm -hmm. and then that's what i assume god is so what i'm concerned about god is concerned about interesting and i find it fascinating how many ministers will tell you what the will of god is and how uh-huh. many ministers will say that God spoke to them? I wonder if Beekner would challenge them and said, is that really you talking or is that God talking?
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he would.
0: Or can we separate the two? I don't know. You know, and, and again, that's what I love what Beekner did with this sermon. Yeah. Is the connection between the wider world and oneself. Yeah. If you can find oneself. You find God in one yeah in the wider world, in the world and then in turn maybe you have discovered god but then the the thing is as other people say as soon as you think you've discovered god you've probably missed it
2: <laughs>
0: this is a circle we can go around I know, and around I know. on
1: let's do another one of his sermons that'd be fun.
0: yeah i agree i i enjoy this has uh, been fun i enjoy reading beekner stuff for those of you who enjoy listening to this podcast, I would encourage you to like it, uh, whatever platform you listen to it, share it with a friend, and even more. We would love, to, again, to hear from you. If there is an individual that has um, spoken about spiritual things, we would love for you to share that with us, and we will consider bringing that as one of the subjects on our next or an upcoming episode of Monodia. We hope that no matter where you are or what you are doing at this very moment, that you are becoming more and more your real self. And in order to do that, to help you in that spiritual journey, we will are we are uh, supplying a meditation that will immediately follow the as we end this podcast. Reason we do that is we realize that. As you are listening to this podcast, this may not be the perfect time for a small meditation. So, this is something that you could save and listen to at a later date. So, no matter what you're doing, be safe out there and take care.
2: Safety breathing. Safety breathing is a practice of sending our breath to our stomachs and our chests. Often, when we are scared or nervous, or even excitable, you may notice that our stomachs or chests can feel tight or jittery, as if you were to have butterflies there. By sending intentional breath to both locations, one at a time, it helps us to calm our feelings. So wherever you are, begin sitting straight up with both of your feet on the floor, arms uncrossed, and if possible, with your back against something so you feel supported. Now inhale slowly and deeply through your nose, and send for the first half of your breath to your stomach, expanding your stomach out, and then send the second half of your breath to your chest. You should feel your chest rise. Now exhale powerfully through your mouth. Inhale slowly and deeply through your nose, and send the first half of that breath to your stomach. Continue that breath, sending the second half to your chest. Now exhale powerfully through your mouth. And when your mind wanders as it will, forgive yourself and return to the physical sensation of the breath.